Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might, or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation, and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Yeah, so we're in Freddie's bedroom. Why? I don't know. <laughs> things have things have got bad. They haven't, they. <laughs> we had this we had this meeting. So John is Vicky's husband and also kind of the sober awkward accountant because Vic and I are not good <laughs> with numbers. John sat us down and he had this grid of all the expenses and the income of the podcast. And basically 
the outgoings were more than the ingoings. I think it's because we were spending our money on posh studios where we had free water and free tampons. That's the only thing we spent money on was the studio. (laughs) Well, we felt quite important when we went into those places. But now we're back to where me and Lucy were at the beginning of Sober Awkward in a bedroom with um, mattresses up against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I I quite like it, though. I'm all right. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, Old school. Vic has actually tried to make it feel like the fancy studio that we used to use. So as she mentioned, the thing we liked the most about it was fizzy water on tap and free tampons in in the women's loose. So Vic has got on a little stool in front of us plenty of tampons more than I would ever use a lifetime's worth of tampons for me really Um, and a bottle of fizzy water yeah so we're back we're we're actually feeling quite smug it's a shame no one can see us we will put a video on our Patreon and our Cuppa community to see the sort of state of depravity that we've got ourselves into Hamish oh dear I'm back from holiday Hamish I feel like this is it it's our first recording day since Begin like two months? Yeah, months? at least two months. Yeah, crazy, hey? Yeah, you and had I, a good time. I had a great time. I went to Thailand, had a very chill time, had a month off my phone, didn't even pick it up once, which was amazing. And the kids just absolutely loved Thailand. There was one really funny story that stands out, which I'm going to tell you quickly. Yes. Poor George, he's just turned 11. It was his birthday while we were away. And he came up to me one day while we were in Bangkok and said, Mum, I don't understand it. Are the Thais really good at table tennis? Okay. I was like, why is that? Why is it? Why is there signs for ping pong shows everywhere? Oh my God. <laughs> so I then had to explain to my 11 year old son why there were signs for ping pong shows everywhere we went. Can you please, to me, <laughs> In the same words, say what you said to George. I said it's a show. It's a type of entertainment in Thailand where the ladies produce ping pong balls from their nether regions, I think is what I said. And then he was kind of going, what? And then I said, don't expect me to explain why or how. Like that, that is something you'll find out when you're or, or, when you're or 12. not. Yeah, or not. Yeah, when you're 12. <laughs> because that is not something I know how or why. That is not a reason that I can, I can I give him. I wish you'd gone, listen, George, it's your birthday tomorrow. Yeah. We'll take Dad's going to take you to a show. Yeah. So, poor George, it was such an innocent question. I, I should have just said, oh, they're just really good at table yeah. tennis, but he put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, bless him. But I did loads of stuff. I did zip lining and diving and tying boxing and the kids tried loads of new foods and it was a big learning experience for all of us which was actually brilliant and it makes you realize like the work you know life's for living and getting out there and being in a new culture with all these different foods and stuff going on around us it was just amazing can you quickly i don't know if you want to tell this on another episode but your greatest sport is frisbee and oh. it has finally paid off. Oh, of course. Frisbee always pays off. <laughs> okay, well, it's paid off. I will tell you that story as well. Brushing shoulder to shoulder with the big guns. Well, the only story that I've told on here before about me brushing shoulders with the rich and famous was me locking a member of Van Halen in a loft. <laughs> And, and maybe snogging Ed Sheeran oh, t- yeah. 10 years before he was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 10 years before he was born. Yeah, we worked that one out. Yeah, so I was, I was basically walked up this beach in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know where I was going. Me and the kids were like, oh, God, where are the shops? Blah, blah, blah. Walked up to a bungalow, said to a bloke, excuse me, do you know where the rock climbing shop is? Because the kids wanted to do rock climbing. He said, yep, come with me. I'm going there now. Just follow me, he said. We walked behind him. So I was like, oh, yeah, where are you guys from? He was with his girlfriend. He said, oh, we're from LA. My girlfriend's from London. I was like, oh, what do you do there? He said, I'm in a band. I was like, oh, cool. Would I have heard of them? What band is it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the Foo Fighters. 
it was. And you said that, never heard of them. Yeah, yeah never heard of them. I was kind of like, oh, right. you're in the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he said I'm the keyboard player. So, hello, Rami. We're mates now and we played Frisbee. He happened to love Frisbee, which he mentioned very early on in the conversation. And I was just like, I'm fucking brilliant at Frisbee. And he was like, what? And then we went and played Frisbee all afternoon with him on the beach and he was lovely. Did he mention that he liked Frisbee before he mentioned he was in the Foo Fighters? What no, it was second. It was second, it was it. I like it a little bit less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Foo Fighters was definitely first. I think George had something, thought he was like the owner of Weight Watchers because he kept calling them the Food Fighters. Does he own the Food Fighters? But so now my kids are on a strict diet of Foo Fighters yes. so they can learn a little bit more George about them. George was on fire this holiday. <laughs> yeah. We need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's got some good stories. Oh, dear. So what I'm saying about my holiday, guys, is that actually I stepped out of my comfort zone a lot. Mm. I sort of pushed through my internal boundaries and I did quite a few things that I never, ever would have done if I was a drinker. I have figured out actually what my comfort zone... I didn't know that this thing was me being out of my comfort zone, Mm. but it's the second time that it's come up because we were in WA for Christmas. Yeah. Renting cars. Oh, yeah, you so talked you remember, about renting. Yeah, you had a Florence trauma with that was, before. Florence was a trauma. This time, so we were visiting a great friends of Liz who've got three kids. Yeah. They went deep. So they have never camped. They had to rent a truck that was big enough to pull the six-metre caravan behind it, okay? Sounds like it's giving me, it's giving me anxiety just Day saying that. Day one, they yeah. went over a stick that wedged up in between the truck and the caravan. It went through the front bumper, through the front light, oh, and no. smashed it. And it was um, fishtailing on the motorways, right? Oh, so God. they had a shocker. We, on the same, both of us were on the same road that was 350 kilometres before you hit a petrol station. Right. I had Liz with Sunny in the back of the car crying. I couldn't tell her that we were running low on petrol. She was crying because the beginning of the holiday had been stressful. And I'm just, I was inwardly <laughs> praying that something comes up. But every sign that I drove past was, you know, like, I'd see a sign, oh, amazing, it's going to be 15 kilometres to the next town. Instead, it was... 1,300 deaths on this road this year. <laughs> or it'd be like, welcome to the National Park. I was, ne- I was hyperventilating. Anyway, we didn't break down on that road. Okay, thank God. But on the last day that I had, we, had, we rented like a caravan. So one that you drive rather than one that you drag. And on the last day, on the way to returning it, and I went into a car park that was four metre clearance at one end, but only two at the other. And I'd try to come out of the exit of this oh, hunt, no. right. I got stuck. I came out, but scraped the whole roof of the car. Oh, you And then I'm st- I couldn't go forwards or backwards. If I went forwards, I hit the sort of dangling thing. Yeah, yeah. I hit that. The if warning I went back, thing. I hit the concrete of the, oh. of the roof. <laughs> so I was going, oh my God, what's the cost of this going to be? Um, he said, the, the security guard comes running out. He goes, go backwards. I go backwards. I smash the concrete. <laughs> and then I'm going, what, what do we do? I've got a photo to show. Can't go forwards or back. Anyway, eventually this woman was watching and she called her husband who turned up and goes, this happened to me last week let all the tires out this is such a good tip for anyone okay, listening good. all the tires out of all the air yeah and then he stood on the back of my car to sort of tilt it up oh and somebody God. else held the dangly bit up the dangly chain bit the front up so we could sneak underneath it i was gonna say i'd get loads it. of people to go and sit in the back seat yeah. it's probably a good thing yeah. as well yeah oh those things like hire, car hire mm-hmm. even rental properties they're stressful just ruining someone else's stuff that you've got to pay for is stressful. well this hire car had done half a million kilometers on six hundred thousand kilometers <laughs> Jesus. So I actually had plenty of... I didn't, we didn't get charged anything. Plenty okay. of scrapes, yeah. Okay, that was all right then. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, that, is, uh, that is my 
out of comfort zone thing. Yeah. Renting cars is my biggest nightmare. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're talking about today, isn't it, Hamish? Yes. So today we want to find out what a comfort zone is, why it feels snug to stay in it and how to push out of its confines and really live your life to the fullest. While I was away, I made a pact with myself to do new things that make me scared. It didn't always work out, honestly, but I did feel proud of myself for trying. The saying you only live once was reverberating around my mind as I flung myself off cliffs, nibbled on scorpions and narrowly avoided getting pricks in my bottom. From sea urchins or Thai men? (laughs) Sea urchins. (laughs) Actually, I'll leave that for you to decide. It makes (laughs) me sound more exciting, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I was popping off at night when Don fell asleep. (laughs) I think the challenges challenges on Sober Awkward that I did in the last series helped me understand that I can really do anything sober. And doing it without that crutch of alcohol makes all the new experiences more satisfying. It's something that I'm feeling too, Vic, in my sobriety. This feeling of wanting to truly live, to gain more knowledge and experience all that this world has to offer. Even if it's getting stuck in a car park? Getting stuck in a car park, getting pricked in the bum by Thai men. Yeah, anything Potato, goes. potato. Yeah. Gotta try everything once. <laughs> so today we're going to share some things that we've been afraid of in the past, find out how we faced our fears and how we both try to eke ourselves outside of the comfortable margins that once ruled our lives. Yeah, we want to discover why stepping out of the comfort zone is an essential part of sober life. We hope that by the end of today's episode, you will decide to try something new. Replace the booze with an activity or task that is something you have never done before. We want you to face your fears and understand by how doing so, your sober life will be much more rewarding than your drunky wonky one. Drunky wonky bum. Drunky wonky bum. We are going to begin with a quote, Hamish. I know we never do this. I'm breaking the sober awkward rules as I think this one will give us a head start and set the pace for the episode. Are you ready? Yes, go ahead. If you don't step out of your comfort zone and face your fears, the number of situations that make you uncomfortable will keep growing. Oh, that is deep. That is deep because that reminds me so much of me in my drinking days. I was scared of one thing and I was scared of another thing and in the end I couldn't even leave the house. Yeah, Yeah, it does. It definitely snowballs. Let's start by finding exactly what a comfort zone is, Hamish. Take it away. This is the research, isn't it? Research. Pump it up. Pump it up. This is the science that we love so much. The comfort zone is a psychological state in which a person feels at ease because they're not being tested. Inside the comfort zone, people don't typically engage in new experiences or take on any new challenges. They only participate in activities that are familiar, making them feel in control of their environment. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. People stay in their comfort zone to avoid feelings of anxiety, stress or pain. Anything outside of the comfort zone creates uncertainty and uncertainty makes us feel anxious. Naturally, human beings are wired to avoid these feelings. That makes them reluctant to leave the comfort zone. So let's get this straight. If you stay in a comfort zone too long, it can make you complacent. If you don't perform activities that somewhat scare or challenge you, you miss out on growth opportunities. Correct. We love a bit of growth on this podcast, don't we, Hamish? Mm. Actually, funnily enough, I had a growth in Thailand. I had to go and get a doctor. Wow. To have a look at it. I don't think that's the kind of growth we're talking about. Oh. No. <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, I didn't have a growth in Thailand. Is that like the growth that I get when a doctor, like an attractive doctor, gives test my balls for lumps? Okay, that's a special, that's a special sort <laughs> <spot> of growth. <laughs> Odd. Okay. I find... Ooh, ten minutes in, yeah. first cock joke. <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. I find self-growth, which is what you're talking about, Hamish, more painful than a wart on my bottom. 
but that's just me, I guess. Nowadays, the idea of never being tested feels quite claustrophobic, but there was a time when stepping out of my comfort zone felt very frightening, and I only crossed this invisible psychological frontier when I was a drinker. Drinking allowed me to take risks, risks that never normally ended well. What we want to discover in sobriety are risks that benefit your life rather than risk them. So let's start by finding out some things that have scared us in our own lives. Vic, what have you always feared? <sighs> it's quite a, quite an open... It's mm. not the sort of question you'd ask on a date, is it? No, what have you what always feared? What have you feared? always feared? Yeah. Straight to the yeah. root of it. I'd leave. I'd go to the toilet and climb out the window. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, odd question. Questions like this, yeah. you psychopath. <laughs> yeah. yeah, spiders, dark alleyways, clowns, Mr. Blobby, all the usual things. Mm-hmm. I didn't like kissing boys when I was younger. Heights, deep water, sharks. They're all pretty normal things to be scared of, I guess. Mm. Sharks, I still would never... You would never get me going in a shark cage. No. Even now I say that, even though I'm going to tell you a process of in a minute of how to get over your comfort zones and That's not stay happening. in it, sharks is the one that I would never, ever... Well, I didn't even think I would get in the ocean in WA. Yeah. Because I think most of the shark attacks are in WA. Yes. And on our, like one of our first few days there, we went to a whaling museum yes. that talked about sharks and how they can attack in water as shallow as 1.5 metres deep. Yeah. So every time I got in the ocean, this was going, don't you dare go further than 1.5 metres. No. And also your brain jumps to that like worst case scenario yeah. in that situation Australia you just know that they're out there I know. and I just imagine I often do it when John's in the ocean I often just imagine like this is going to be the headline news tomorrow and I'm going to be mm. sat on the beach and he's not going to swim back yeah. oh it does scare me it's so irrational God it is it? irrational it's, it's so, so irrational. irrational apparently you've got more chance of being killed by a toaster than really? a shark yeah in Australia yeah okay, no, although I'm, my toaster yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be having a cereal in the morning <laughs> When older, I was scared of public speaking. Actually, at school, I remember not being able to stand up in front of the class and read a poem or whatever. Um, I was always scared of that. I've always been scared of extreme sports. Bungee jumping or or jumping out of a plane is something I would don't think I would ever do. I thought I just, you were going to say extreme sports like tennis, ping no. pong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're extreme. They're extreme if you're putting the ping pong balls up your fanny. <laughs> Uh, yes, but I've ne- I've always been scared of bungee jumping because I heard your eyeballs come out or something, but that might not be true. That's probably like a... My brother passed out bungee jumping. Oh, so they yeah. did this one, it was in New Zealand, where you jump off and then you don't land on the floor. You know, they pull you back up. Yeah. And you're meant to pull a string so that you pull yourself... Oh, upwards, okay. and you get pulled up, effectively sitting. Oh. But he passed out, so they dragged him up by his feet, and he came to halfway up, opened his eyes, passed out again. Oh god! Yeah, yeah it can't be fun if you're passing yeah. out every two but seconds. Eyeballs still in his still in his head. Okay, good. Yeah, I can I can allay that fear for yeah, you. Okay, good. He didn't have to pop them back in. Um, my worst fear throughout my life, Hamish, has been the dentist. This is a big mm, issue for I me, which I still this. have. Um, drills, metal on teeth. I I just absolutely hated it I had braces when I was younger and I didn't take care of myself properly I didn't take care Mm. of my teeth when I was a drinker and I've always had problems with my teeth I didn't used to go to the dentist Mm. which means the gaps in between going meant that my teeth would get worse Mm. and every time I went there was always loads to be done I've recently got my teeth sorted out I had all this terrible gum stuff going on which is now organized but I I hate it it is a huge fear of mine. Was there a bad experience? I think it was, was just general bad braces. experiences. 
since then, funny enough, you asked that. When I went to the dentist recently, the lady said, I have particularly sensitive teeth. It is an issue. Mm. Like she says, never has she seen anyone cry like I cry. Like literally, if they're doing work in my mouth, there is yeah. tears dripping down into my ears. Is that a really polite way of saying you're really soft? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, children, don't cry like this. Yeah. Let's just say you've got sensitive teeth. Just yeah. tell her she's got she sensitive teeth. She did smack teeth. me around the face. <laughs> <laughs> just tell her she's got sensitive teeth. And go Put up. yourself together, woman. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the sort of dentist I need. There's also other fears, like more ingrained fears rather than sort of momentary fears, mm. which is something like worrying about me never having a job or never having a degree or never having mm -hmm. the career that my parents wanted me to have and things like that. They're kind of more like general fears, yeah. fears of not finding the right partner or not being a good enough mum. But you're still looking, you're still looking for still, the right yeah, partner. Still looking for the right one, yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, you say that somebody had uh, posted yesterday on our local community group that there was a singles event happening in the local area and they needed men. And I just tagged John at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what's this? I thought oh, I just tagged you in something. <laughs> and a couple of people who knew me had done a little question mark next to his name. Everything all right? Yeah, everything all right, Vic? Why has John got Tinder now as yeah. well? <laughs> funny. There are loads of fears I've had in my life, but... I feel like in sobriety, I'm now mentally strong enough to face most of them and overcome most of them, not all of them. But before we find out how you can do that, let's just find out about your fears, Hamish. What have you been scared of in your life? Never meeting Craig David in person, perhaps? Okay, now... This is big news. You okay. did not have your phone for a month, so I could not tell you a little bit of Craig David news. Oh, God. Okay. I need some music. I need some. I'm going to add some music in here. <laughs> Craig David news. People can fast forward this if they have no interest yeah, in Craig Yeah, fast David. forward now. We'll just have a lift music playing for this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, my birthday is at Christmas. My mother-in-law gave me Craig David's book, What's Your Vibe? Available Hilarious. in all good bookstores. Yeah. And I put a post on my Instagram that said... The perfect birthday present doesn't exist. Picture of me holding Craig David's book. Craig David comments on my post. Shut up. Yeah. He said, he said, happy birthday. Mm, it's not quite Foo Fighters though, is it? It's not, isn't it? <laughs> Depends who <laughs> to you're you, preaching to. You, to. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Foo Fighters pianist. I've got Craig David himself. Okay, yeah, he's a solo I then, artist. I then yeah, fair enough. Direct message him. Big, big comment, I'll big message, yeah, no answer. Craig, Craig. <laughs> Craig, thank you for my call. I should read that at some point. Okay, um, yes, please do. But yeah, big message, he didn't answer that. He didn't answer your big message. Nah, nah. But that doesn't matter. He messaged me on my birthday. That is pretty amazing. Well, congratulations. I can see you're very happy about so, that. Yes, it's not a fear that I'll never meet him because technically we're good friends now. Yeah. And I'll message him on his birthday, 5th of May. <laughs> <laughs> That's so odd. Well, we thought Sonny was going to be born on the same day. Sonny was you born. don't need to explain it's yourself. It's due date, it's 2nd of May, David Beckham, 5th of May is Craig, usually three days late. Anyway, I sidetrack. Um, other great fears. Oh, shit. Look, my next one is quite serious. It's difficult to go into <laughs> okay, it. Right. Losing a parent to my brother. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe we're laughing at that. Okay, yes, my great fear, <laughs> losing a parent or my brother or, or my wife or child now. Oh, um, I think actually, interestingly, this fear of losing a parent, I think subliminally inspired me to do a whole podcast on grief. So yeah, one of the first podcast series I ever did was a whole one about grief and how we can help people out through grief. And I wonder if somewhere deep inside was the fact that 
my greatest fear is that at some point I will lose one of them. But that's actually you stepping out of your comfort zone right there is probably having a feeling of something you're scared about and then going, right, actually, I don't want to be scared about this. So I need to maybe do a podcast about it so that I can learn a bit more about it so that I don't have this Mm. irrational fear because, you know, everyone's going to die. We know that. So it's kind of like, how do we deal with that and how can we prepare for it? Which is what you did probably a little bit. It was me educating my friends on how to treat me when I go through this (laughs) horrible situation. Yeah, it's good. I think that fear is particularly extreme now that I live on this side of the world. You're quite lucky in that your parents followed you here. Yeah. So you don't have, I think any, any Brit that lives abroad, anyone that lives away from their family knows all have this fear of getting the phone call when come home now, mum or dad are sick or brother yeah. or whatever. So I think it's probably more extreme now than it's ever been. My career has always been a bit of a source of fear. I get stick from my friends for never really having had a sort of conventional career, which I think is quite dull. I've not had a conventional career, but I'm quite happy. I'm scared that I'll never be totally satisfied in my career. Mm. 12 months ago, if you'd said to me, you will be presenting on the radio at the ABC and you'll have, be a part of a podcast which is doing well, I would have bitten your hand off for it. Mm. And then you're in the situation and you're still like, oh, it could be more, it could be bigger, it yes, could be better. Yeah. Which I always hear people talk about on things like podcasts and think, oh, you wanker. Yeah, grass actually, is greener attitude. Yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like, yeah, I'm not... I don't feel I'm at the end at the end bit yet. I'm not totally yeah. satisfied. Maybe that's why you strive in your life, though, because like maybe that will just be on your deathbed. You'll go right. I've done everything I needed to do. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, you'll stop striving. That's a nice positive way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. But I guess yeah. In my head, I'm convinced I will reach that place where it's I've you know not made it, but like I'm satisfied with it. I'm convinced I will. But mm. I guess the fear is I'll be on my deathbed and go, God, you never really got there, you know? I don't think you've ever So that is a bit of one. Um, heights and drowning, the big two for me. Of course, yeah. Heights um, and drowning are major. Drowning was made worse by watching Titanic. Oh, okay. So yes. I can remember we got a ferry soon after watching Titanic, which yeah. was one of those overnight ones to France. Bad move. And I can remember saying to my brother, do you want to sleep on the top bunk or on the bottom bunk? And he said, top bunk. And I said, great, I'll drown first then, shall I? <laughs> God, irrational child. Yeah, yeah. If you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. I just wanted to tell you quickly about my walk. You know, I went on a walk yesterday, Hamish. Okay, yeah. It had to do with the comfort zone, so I thought I'd have a quick chat with you about it. Me and John went on this walk yesterday. It's one of the most beautiful walks in the world, I would say. Yeah. It's between a place called Sunshine Beach and Noosa here in Australia, and it's along the cliff edge. Along that cliff edge, Hamish, I think you are aware, there is a nudie beach. There is. Yes. We were quite hot, John and I, mm-hmm. got down to nudie beach, Took our gear yes. off. Yes. We did a nudie swim in the day. Good yeah. on you. <laughs> yes. That is awesome. It was. It was very out of the comfort zone. Yeah. But we thought, fuck it. Who cares? Like, it's just a human body. Get over it. And John is very up for doing anything. We're quite similar like that. Mm. Like, and yeah, as you would be too. We were just like, well, who cares? Let's just go. There were a few people around, everyone naked, some people prouder than others. You could sure. see by their stride. When they turned around, it was generally to do with the length of their schlong. <laughs> 
or was the, their stance. Or the, was it Prince Albert? Yeah, yeah Prince yes, Albert. Yeah. And you, get your... you could tell the people that were walking confidently. <laughs> yeah, we had a splash around. It was lovely being in the water. It was gorgeous. Yes. We got out and we just really enjoyed it. And I think there's something to be said there about surrounding yourself with people who are happy to also step mm. out of the comfort zone. I think if you surround yourself with people that are, have anxiety or are scared of doing things, that makes you scared of th- doing things. But straight away, me and John were like, should we do it? We were like, yep, let's get on with it. Yes. And we loved it and we felt really good afterwards. I know I felt a little bit paranoid for about two seconds and then I was like, who cares? It's just a middle-aged woman's body. Like, it, it makes me feel like clothes are just pointless. You didn't so, have anyone swim past and go, is it? Are you fit for the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I recognised you. My kids go to the same school as yours. <laughs> yeah. But you can imagine what we're going to be like when we're 60. We'll be like going on nudist holidays, yeah. naturist parks. Never trust the person on a nudist beach who's got a snorkel. That oh, yeah. would be my lesson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't trust them. I was going to take a photo of John, but I thought that's probably not allowed on a nudist beach. We, for like months in Sydney, only swam at nudist beaches. We went yeah. for a big stage. There's quite a lot in and around Sydney. Okay. So we drive to a different one every weekend. But nudie? Did you yeah. go nudie? Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I thought you probably I'm, had done I'm it I'm okay before. with it. Liz, I don't think did. I don't think Liz, or maybe Liz left the bottoms on. Okay, It's yeah. quite different for women, actually. I think often it's bottoms on for the girls. Yes. And the guys go all out, It's which funny. Is totally well, fine. funny you say that. It was just single men on that beach. Usually, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't care. I was like, look at it, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> look at it. Look at it, all Stop of you. looking away and look at it. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. I quite enjoyed that. It was fun. Good on you. So how do we get rid of these often irrational fears? Well, I've delved deeper and I found out a little more about comfort zones. There are four stages you have to go through. The comfort zone, the fear zone, the learning zone and the growth zone. Let's go through these quickly. The comfort zone. If you're starting at ground zero, this is the state you're in. It feels secure and you feel in control because you're familiar with this space and know what to expect. For example, eating the same breakfast every morning and denying any other food because it's not on your routine is a perfect example of staying within your comfort zone. I like that we're comparing this to breakfasts. Yes, I yeah. like a good breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast is probably my favourite meal of the day. Cereal is my favourite food of all the foods, which Cereal I'm Cereal or, mu- or muesli. Oh, no, just cereal generally. Oh. If I'm going to choose any cereal in the world, I'm not going to choose muesli. I choose muesli. I'm going to choose golden nuggets. Yeah, but hey, okay, we're going to talk to you okay. about this on the sugar this episode because this episode. is serious. Yeah. Okay, the fear zone. This is the second stage that introduces fear and anxiety. Excuses, lack of self-confidence and being persuaded to stay in the comfort zone are obstacles you may face when trying to leave the comfort zone. For example, maybe you learn that coconut milk would be a nutritious substitute for cow's milk for your breakfast, but you've never tried it before and that scares you yeah so i never used to have any sort of soy milk or anything like that but i don't generally have normal milk now but i didn't have it because i was scared of like Mm. changing milks okay (laughs) i did drive past a business van yesterday that was advertising camel milk yes that is becoming a bit of a thing i think that scares me Dog milk? Have you tried that? No. Uh, I actually never tried human milk. I thought oh, growing yes. up that when Liz or my, you know, my wife got pregnant, I would try breast yeah. milk. And I never did. John tried it. From the tit? Not from the tit. <laughs> Directly from the, I don't know. No, just from the bottle. And thoughts? It was very sweet. But did he like it? Well, he didn't, he didn't start drinking it. <laughs> yeah, he still has in his tea. I lactate, a, every, I lactate every morning. <laughs> The learning zone. <laughs> that is my comfort. Okay, that's my new comfort zone. Next time Liz gets pregnant, I'll try breast milk. Yeah, every morning. <laughs> the learning zone is the cure to the fear zone. 
As the zone title suggests, this is where you learn about the new endeavour you're about to engage in and inquire the skills to overcome the challenge. Perhaps you learn about how oat milk or coconut milk is good for you. You watch YouTube videos, how it's made, and it makes you feel comfortable about adding it to your breakfast menu. Yeah, that does make sense. The growth zone. Here is where you take what you've learned and try it out. The growth zone is where you learn to set new goals and live them out regardless of how well you do. The goal is to realise your strengths and use them to obtain new outcomes. Let's say you replace cow's milk with oat milk for your next breakfast. Whether you like it or not, you tried it and evolved your skills when picking and trying new food. Fear faced, job done. It's so simple that I'm really into this this little process here, Hamish. I like the idea of even if it doesn't work... It's an accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment, yeah. and you wouldn't have a fear about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you actually know there's, there's no reason to fear the known, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. If there's probably a saying somewhere in there, that's, but I'm not the, quite yeah. That's not the same, that's do for not, sure. No, no, do not know, no, no, known. <laughs> no I'm just thinking, Hamish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Um, let me just have a think here. Let's use this method with alcohol. For example, the comfort zone, you give up drinking and you decide it's nice to stay at home and eat chocolate pretzels forever, which I know everybody does in early sobriety. (laughs) Then there's the fear zone. You're scared to socialise because you've never done it without a drink. You feel nervous and you talk yourself out of it, even though it's something you know you must conquer. Should we approach a chocolate pretzel company to sponsor the podcast? Yes. If they go up when people get sober. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Um, The learning zone is that you listen... For example, to the Sober Awkward episode, The Sober Shindig, you ask others about going out, you go on cuppa, you research sober socialising, get tips and tricks. Then the growth zone... Is that a wart on your bum again? Yes, that is the wart and it's a type of personal growth, Hamish. My personal growth. (laughs) It's on your bum. It is the wart, It's the bit where you're brave. You take what you learned and you try it out. You go out maybe for the first time for an hour, second time for two hours, and you slowly and surely step into the one thing that frightens you. You go through the process. I love it. This method takes away the anxiety. It's a practical way of methodically and logically tiptoeing outside of your psychological barrier. I'll get a tattoo that says comfort, fear, learning and growth. I quite like it, Hamish. I've written here that you shouldn't get that. But actually, I think that's a good tattoo. Live, life, laugh. You could have as well. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a bum. (laughs) I'm going to have a wart tattooed on my bottom. You could write live, life, laugh on your wart. It's big. It's big enough. (laughs) It's big enough, yeah. I do think I need to get some special ointment. Um, I do agree, though. Having a set process is so much better than just thinking about the things that scare you and deciding straight away not to do them, isn't it? Mm. This four-step structure actually makes anything possible. So why should we seek to abandon the pretty relaxing space that is our comfort zone? Good question. Now, you know how to do it. Let's find out why it's a good idea to push yourself into doing something that you don't want to do, especially when sober. I think, Hamish, in sobriety, you need to create replacement activities. We talk about those a lot. Fill the spaces in which you used to drink with something new, something that makes you happy. This will mean your sobriety lasts longer and you stop missing alcohol because there is so many interesting things to do. When you do something scary, it will give you huge satisfaction and a huge natural high. No booze needed. Yeah, that's the big thing about sobriety. You've got loads of time to fill. Your sober life is waiting to happen. If you don't find out what that looks like by stepping beyond your normal barriers, you might slip back into bad habits. Remember, your real life is the sum total of all of your experiences, not just the ones you're comfortable with. I do love that. 
It's good, that, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is good. Challenging yourself pushes you to dip into and utilise your personal store of untapped knowledge and resources. You have no idea what you're made of until you venture outside of your own familiar world. I didn't know it was possible to absorb so much new information until I got sober. Now I love learning again. Oh, you're, you're a book snob. I you're, am. Yeah, you're a nerd. I read five books when I was away. That is... <laughs> I did. A round of applause. Yeah, thank you. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for some cheering. Yeah, where's your trophy? Oh, because I put my phone down. I wasn't scrolling anymore. That I read five good. books. Yeah, that it was, was a serious accomplishment with three kids as well. Yeah, it was good. It was good because they go to sleep and you're all in the same room. So me and John just sat and read books. It obviously. took me an hour and a half to write an email the other day because I was looking after Sunny. Oh, yeah. An hour and a half to write an I'm email the other, with the kids. On the other side of that. Yeah, times three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's not easy to get stuff done, <laughs> but yeah. Yes, round of applause for me. Yes, five books, well done. They're all picture books, all yes, children's yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. Where is the green sheep? Bluey went to the creek. <laughs> when I lived at the bookshop at, in Paris, yeah, yeah, whatever. the rule was you have to read a book a day. Yes. So it's children's books every day. Yeah, children's every day. <laughs> Taking risks, regardless of their outcome, are growth experiences. Even if you make mistakes or don't get it right the first time, those become experiences you can tap into in the future. There really is no such thing as fail if you get something out of the experience. And just so you know, fail reframed means first attempt in learning. I did not know that. Yes. That's good. Yeah, first attempt in learning, everybody. You've got to remember that. <laughs> That's F-A-I-L for those of you that are struggling. A little bit slow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't settle for the mediocre just to avoid stepping out of your comfort zone. It's too big a price to pay. Your challenges and risk experiences are culminative. Cumulative. 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 <laughs> Okay, yes, there we go. Every time you try something new and allow yourself to be open to whatever experience arises, you are learning and expanding your repertoire of life skills and self-knowledge. As you do this, you also expand the size of your comfort zone. So that's exactly what I did on holiday. And that's the feeling I felt while I was away was I'm stepping out of the comfort zone. I'm in a different country with my kids. I don't know what's happening from one minute from the next. One minute we're on a motorbike. Next we're in the back of a truck. Then we're on a tuk-tuk. Then we're on this. Like all things that are potentially Mm. dangerous. No one's wearing helmets. Like everything's a potential hazard over there because there are no rules. Mm -hmm. It's not rules like you are here. You're not restricted. You can feel more free when you're inside a country like that. And there's something to be said for that. Just allowing yourself to go with the flow. I'm not saying like I was shoving the kids on the back of a motorbike and letting Mm -hmm. them go off and do their own thing I was conscious of their behaviour but I did allow myself to step out of the comfort zone and go look these people have ridden these bikes for years they know what they're mm-hmm. doing and, and I allowed myself to relax a little bit about those things Was that a plan going into the holiday were you like I'm going to yeah. let go a bit more I know that in Australia like we feel quite I feel quite um, restricted because everything's so you know it's so clearly set out and mm-hmm. everyone does this and you go your job and then you go to work and then you go home and have dinner you know even just not cooking dinner and going to a crazy market every night was stepping out of my comfort zone but by the end of it I just loved it I loved the feeling of being able to make my own choices and being comfortable with them it was good awesome yeah so, yeah, there are so many other benefits. Challenging yourself can help you perform at your peak at work, for example, make relationships more interesting, especially in the sack, Amish, eh? Improve communication skills and self-confidence. And even it helps you age better. Those happy endorphins that are created by stepping out of your comfort zone keep your ticker going longer, believe it or not. Leaving your comfort zone ultimately helps you to deal with change and making change in a much better way. 
Sobriety and any form of life transition is all about change. Each time you transition, you move to another level. Inevitably, these life transitions transform you. I know transformation does sound a bit of a cheesy it's word. It's a little bit, is it about journey? Hey, let's all transform. The me at the beginning of my journey in comparison to the me at the end of my journey. It's a total transformation. <laughs> Uh, but I must say, sobriety and stepping out of my comfort zone ever since I quit the grog has transformed me. Nice. Not to my body, unfortunately, but my mind. Instead of thinking I can't do that, I think I will give that a go. Remember that time I climbed yeah. the Harbour Bridge? Yeah. I'd read that book, hadn't I? Stepping out, something yeah. about stepping out of the comfort zone. And I stood on the bridge and I thought I can either shit myself the whole way and feel scared or I can decide just to enjoy this experience. And my mind just flipped and I enjoyed the whole thing. My mindset plus the four stages of the process helped me transform. That was the last time I saw you in a hard hat along with Christmas Day this year doing the, was it tree climbing? Zip lining. Zip lining, yeah. yeah. I could put a hard hat on for you in a minute if you yeah, want. Thanks a lot, yeah. <laughs> that's your thing. <laughs> I guess that's my thing. That's what I've discovered. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> what are some other things we've done that have propelled us out of this happy circle of familiarity? And how do we feel it has made our lives richer? You well, can go of, first. Yeah, well, of course, giving up drinking is my main one, which mm -hmm. it would be. That is the biggest thing I've ever done. That is the biggest fear I've ever faced. Being a drinker and being in that comfort zone, numb, comfortably numb, uh, was a very nice place to be, I thought, until it started to affect my mental health. And stepping out of that has been the best thing I ever do. And I face that fear daily by socialising, by being myself, by everything that I do in my life is to do with that now. Originally, I was scared going on other people's podcasts. I'm fine with that. It, the more I did it, the better it got. Yeah. Just practice makes perfect so well, as well a lot in this, in this topic. Um, Have you listened back to the first one that you did? I haven't actually, yeah. but I know it was rubbish. Really? Yeah. yeah. Being confident at social events, that's taken some time and public speaking. I did the work, you know, I went mm -hmm. through the learning process with that. Dancing like no one's watching. Now, Hamish, this is something I've got to talk to you about today. Mm -hmm. uh, I need you to keep the 3rd of May free. Okay. Do you know why? I, no. Do you know why? I'm going to, well, it's going to be something to do with dancing. I've got us on the guest list for the Fat Boy Slim gig. <gasps> yes! <laughs> I'd save this information for the podcast. Oh my god! I've got us on the fucking guest list, mate. What? Blagged it. I've blagged it. What? I've got a mate, my mate Andy Mack. Hello, Andy. He's a DJ in Brighton from you know way back. Who's a huge supporter of our podcast, by the way. Is he? Yeah, he's a one of our Patreon members. Us and, and Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, he's listening to things yeah, on Spotify. Yeah, and I used to go to all the Fat Boy Slim gigs in Brighton, which is where I met Andy. And Andy's still mates with him. And I emailed him and said, said, Oh God, Andy, you coming over? Fat boy sims playing he was like no but i'll get you on the guest list i was like yes thank oh you that'd be amazing God. and fat boy sim is sober is as he? well yeah so that'd get be interesting yeah try and get, get him, on. him on yeah we'll try you could do jingles for us oh yeah that'd be good yeah maybe we, maybe we redo <laughs> the music at the start at yeah. the end and it's fat boy slim i couldn't wait to tell you that it's a while off and maybe it'll fall through you never know they might not be able okay. to get us on but like i just thought i'd save that information because i need you That's to save that date it's the wednesday before you yeah, go away yeah. so that yeah. is a massive okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get you something good too okay that is good news isn't well, it because you did say hey i was gonna get you some shoes from thailand yeah but then we couldn't find the right size so i got your shit gift anyway yeah i was like oh thank you it's sold <laughs> you know how to deliver the gift but this you had this in your back pocket yeah yeah 
I had this shit gift the other one. No, it was, nice, bit, yeah. it was a bit shit. A venereal disease was the other gift <laughs> that I brought back with Thank me. Thank you. Um, so, so that comes into our dancing like okay. no one's watching. We're going to do a whole sober, awkward, sober dancing episode. Yeah, we'll get some videos back of that at as the well. rave. Yeah, yeah back at the rave great. at forty-five. Yeah, so that's exciting. Anyway, <laughs> join clubs and classes. I would never have done pottery. I would mm. never have done boxing. I do all those things, even though I never believed I could do them, and I do them now. I don't feel f- fear failure anymore which is huge um, I have this kind of try to do it attitude I had a fear of being boring now I don't care what anyone thinks that's huge being myself and owning it like nice. that you, I had a fear of myself I think that's a common thing when you give up drinking yeah, is yeah. you don't know who you are yeah. anymore and now I've found out who I am it's taken a few years I don't fear who I am mm-hmm. I, I'm confident with who I am pushing myself out of my comfort zone makes me very happy it's as simple as that Hamish that is how I live my life now Mm-hmm. is by pushing myself out of that zone. And when I feel it, if I feel like I don't want to do something, I do it. I think that is the hidden gem about comfort zones is actually the more you do it, I reckon you could almost get addicted to being out of your comfort zone. Yes, like for it, sure. It will snowball and you, because yeah. you'll get a buzz, you get a kick out of, yeah. but I think you basically feel proud of yourself. I've yeah. had that when I'm doing something that I didn't think I would. And I sort of see myself from the outside and can feel proud of that person. Yeah. I lived a very normal life in the UK that I could have very comfortably stayed in. So I went to a certain school and then the sort of career path was set from there. You're very well connected going to these fancy schools. And I could have got a corporate job in London and married someone from the same school and then just sort of replayed my life. You know, had a child yeah. and the child did what I did. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds lovely, actually. No, that's <laughs> awful. No, you could have got a little pinky ring. Yeah, so I, I had one. That was sort of the, the route that was set up for me in terms of my life. And that mm. would have been my comfort zone. And I found it very boring so I left I went to the clown school in France that we've spoken about I lived on that on a bookshelf at Shakespeare and Company like we've just spoken about I was working as an actor and a comedian instead of doing something corporate and then I literally sort of on, on a whim moved to Australia and then since being here I've, yeah, I fell in love with Australia my first my first day um, I had to do farm work to get the visa everyone who has to do farm work to get a visa there's a bit of a rule in Australia if you do 90 days farming you get another year on your visa and everyone goes north in the winter because it's all like where we live now it's always warm and you can stay warm and do a job I went south in the winter to Tasmania where it's freaking freezing um, but that was like the best decision I ever made and I lived yet yeah, by myself in this ship container and I loved it did you work on a sheep farm? The first farm was um, olives. Yeah. And then I went to Kutamundra. That was where there were sheep. Oh, God. That is a comfort zone. Good point, actually. So, yeah, yeah. olives are okay. If there are dead olives, I'm okay. There's thousands of other ones and we can make olive oil out of the live yeah. ones. Sheep. It was lambing season. My first day, I had to cut testicles off sheep. Right. And then it was lambing season. So basically your job in the morning was to drive around and sort of by yourself on kind of like a go-kart. And if you see a sheep lying on its side, struggling to give birth, you hop out and you pull the lamb out of them. Wow. And it was only about 50-50 that the lamb would be alive. And even if you dip it out alive, often the mother would die because if they're on the side for too long the blood's not moving to their legs and they're basically paralysed and and they pass away Right, and that was intense gosh that is a full on job to have while you're travelling every day yeah yeah Yeah. and it's freezing and you're by yourself dealing with death yeah awful I grew up in London there's no death yeah not of animals Um, so yeah good point so farming in in Tassie and Kudamundra was definitely outside of my comfort zone Um, saying hello to everyone 
that's something I sort of learned from a friend of mine at drama school. Literally everyone he walks past will say hello to. Yeah. And it, you know, to some people it's weird, um, but to others it opens a conversation, particularly if people feel like they want to have a conversation, just that intro will encourage them to speak to you. Yeah. And you have amazing social interactions through that. Okay, this is bringing you're, up something in me. Grinning. Well, it's just Go funny on. that you mention this because on holiday we play this game. When we're in a, we never stayed anywhere posh. We just stayed in like yeah. bungalows, like shacks on the beach and stuff. But me and John play this game where we say hello to everybody. Nice. As they're approaching, it looks like they're never going to say it. People in resorts or anything, they don't say hello to you. Mm. And we just can't understand it. Why don't people say good morning? <laughs> oh my God, we are so alike. Yeah, yeah. And so as they approach, we know they're going to say, we're not, they're not going to say it. So we test the approach. And then yeah. just as they're passing, we go, good morning. So they're almost like in shock that yeah. we've said it. And then they have to say it. But why don't people say good morning? I don't understand it, Hamish. What is wrong with people? It's odd, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so we play the game everywhere we go. We say hello to everyone. In fact, our kids <laughs> were doing it by the end of it. So we're like this really annoying family walking around Thailand saying hello to everybody. <laughs> We loved it though. Yeah. yeah people are On my so holidays, grumpy. we play Uno, but you play Hello. Yeah. 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 Obviously, giving up drinking yeah. and the fact that, you know, I didn't necessarily have to do it, but that was sort of the ultimate challenge is can you give up even if you don't have to? Yeah. Yeah. What I've learned about comfort zones is I get such a buzz out of being the person doing someone different. And I think actually this probably comes down to ego. And I've always thought I don't have much of an ego, but I, I like the thought, and this might not even be going on, that my friends are somewhere talking about the weird crap that I've done. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Which is ego, yeah. really, but yeah. but I like the idea that people are like, have you seen what he's freaking living in a yeah. ship container in Tasmania, whatever it is, I like that buzz. And I've talked about mm. it with regards to drinking, yeah. out of dancing like a lunatic, and I overhear mates of mine go, He's not even drunk. He's not even drinking. Yeah, yeah. Like, look how weird that guy is. I quite like that feeling. I do like that feeling too. Mm. I often get the comment on my Facebook page is like, this could only happen to you. Yeah. And it, these things only happen to yeah, me yeah. is because I'm putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. You don't, things don't happen to you if you stay at home eating chocolate pretzels. Yeah, I like that. That's true, this isn't it? This could only happen to you is a nice feeling to yeah, get that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's happened to me because I'm in fucking Thailand in some mental place doing something weird and throwing myself off a building, whatever I'm doing. So things happen in those situations situations yeah. don't they yeah you meet the Foo Fighters <laughs> <laughs> just keep playing frisbee on beaches talking to strangers asking direction yeah, to, to, day, the, to the wall climbing shop one <laughs> niche in spoiled spoiled <laughs> bastards uh, are there any fears that you'd still like to conquer Hamish yes I would say I've always wanted to present live on TV yeah okay <clears throat> I've done live radio now which is great but live TV is like yeah. The mecca for me. Yeah, that's, that's the absolute top. I want to have a second child. Yeah. So we've got one. We feel like we're in the trenches now. Well, you'll know better than me. We're like, let's have the second one soon so we never get out of the trenches before we have to re-enter them. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's good. Get it done with. I love the idea of continuously moving. Like, I, I like to be 60 and have lived in like 20 countries. Okay, yeah. And I think it, that is a bad idea in my mind for the children's schooling, for career progression, for laying down some roots, for like mm. feeling established in a community, like getting to a depth of friendship with your circle, uh, maintaining relationships with friends and family back home. Like, there's lots of reasons to not do that but i like the idea of it i think we will definitely move to thailand in the next two I, years in our first phone call when you got back yeah i just you think were ra- i was still at the airport and you were raving about thailand i thought we're gonna lose her in a well, couple i just of years. think life's for living and i mm. think you've got to experience everything if mm-hmm. you can if you can 
I will give everything a go. I would love to take the kids there, learn Thai, go to a little school there. Like, I think it'd be brilliant. I think it will definitely happen. In fact, I might pitch it as my third book a year and then yeah. get someone else to pay for it. You know, your family will follow you like they did here. Yeah. I want yeah. to keep doing the They'll podcast. Oh, I'm going to move to Thailand. We're all moving to Thailand, people. We need to increase our Thai audience. Yes, we Maybe. do. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Maybe we learn basic Thai and do yeah. several awkward Chan in Thai. Which means? Which means I speak Thai already. I was a teacher there 20 years ago. <sighs> And George was brilliant at Thai when we were there. He learned it. He picks up languages like me. God, I hope there are people that speak Thai who are nodding along to that. She does have a good accent. What about you? Have you got any any of these fears that you still want to conquer you haven't done yet? Stand-up comedy I'd always love to do. Thai boxing camp. Would love to go and do three months and learn it properly. Um, Climb a mountain. Not Everest. I'm not that stupid. Somewhere with Mount Coolum here. Yeah, Mount Coolum. (laughs) I'd like posh resorts en route that I can sleep in. Um, Get the Trans-Siberian. Posh resorts on the way. Uh, Not hook up with a trans-Siberian. No. No. <laughs> go, uh, <laughs> go to India, posh resorts on the way. Okay, yeah. Perhaps so it's not like, totally out of your comfort yeah. zone. <laughs> yeah. Go it's, to really posh parts of really <laughs> struggling countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, learn to carve wood. I've really? always wanted to do that. Yeah, I just have a thing for carving wood. Would like to do that. Weird things, but there are things I will do. Okay, that's good. We'll finish with a quote. Tony Robbins, all growth starts at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah. Nice. Nice, yes. We love Tony Robbins. Well, even if it is a bit culty, probably. Yeah, you yeah. can come on the podcast any time he likes. Yeah, when you're not culty, really. <laughs> no, we think you're funny. And if you want to sponsor us, you've plenty of cash. Yeah, if you want to give us some money, that's fine. <laughs> Save us being in here with these mattresses yeah. in the boiling heat. I'm boiling. <laughs> so am I. End of page one. I thought yeah. I'm too hot, but we can't turn this fan on. We better go and have a glass of water. <laughs> Before we leave this podcast, seeing as Alan is around, I'm just going to quickly ask him... If he's ever stepped out of his comfort zone. Alan, what have you done? Um, I got married, had kids. Got married, yeah. That that is out of the comfort zone. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Amish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness to the struggles of motherhood. 
Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay. yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 